the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to a new edition of Vatican Insider. A fair amount of news this week and two new and interesting guests in the interview segment. Patrick Kelly, Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, and David Nalieri, writer and director of the film produced by the Knights, Teresa of Calcutta, No Greater Love. The movie premiered in Rome at the end of August and will be shown in 940 theaters in the U.S. for two days only, Monday, October 3rd and Tuesday, October 4th. Go to MotherTeresaMovie.com for tickets. In part one of our conversation, we talk about what inspired the Knights of Columbus to do this film, how David was brought in as writer and director, the stages of filming, and some of the highlights. More on this film, Teresa of Calcutta, No Greater Love, as our conversation continues next week. Now to the news, and I'll start with the top story around the world, the death on June 8th of Queen Elizabeth II of England. I personally found it very beautiful that the Queen, although not a Catholic, had a profound Christian faith that guided her for her entire life, and she died on the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin. Thursday, June 8th, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland died in the afternoon at Balmoral Castle, her residence in Scotland. Her family had gathered with the late Queen as concerns grew about her health earlier in the day. Elizabeth II reigned for over 70 years, celebrating her Platinum Jubilee on June 2, 2022. The late Queen's eldest son, Charles, the former Prince of Wales, now becomes King and Head of State for 14 Commonwealth realms. Shortly after her death, Pope Francis sent a telegram of condolences to King Charles III for the death of his mother and the UK's longest-serving monarch. Deeply saddened to learn of the death of Her Majesty, Queen Elizabeth II, I offer heartfelt condolences to Your Majesty, the members of the royal family, the people of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. The Pope said he joins everyone who mourns her loss in praying for the late Queen's eternal rest and in paying tribute to her life of unstinting service to the good of the nation and the Commonwealth. Her example of devotion to duty, her steadfast witness of faith in Jesus Christ, and her firm hope in his promises. Francis also recommended her noble soul to the mercy of God the Father. I assure your majesty of my prayers that Almighty God will sustain you with his unfailing grace as you now take up your high responsibilities as king. Upon you and all who cherish the memory of your late mother, I invoke an abundance of divine blessings as a pledge of comfort and strength in the Lord. The Queen's 96 years spanned eight pontificates, starting with Pius XI, who was Pope when she was born in 1926. She met Pius XII as a princess in 1951, and then as Queen, met with four popes, John XXIII, John Paul II, whom she met three times, 1980, 1982, and 2000, Benedict XVI, and Francis. 
As the world learned of the death of Queen Elizabeth on Thursday, English-born Cardinal Arthur Roach, Prefect of the Dicastery for Divine Worship, released a statement to express the immense sadness of all those who work in the Holy See, but hail from Great Britain, Northern Ireland, and the countries of the Commonwealth. In his statement, Cardinal Roach said the late Queen dedicated herself unstintingly to serve her people, but also entrusted this to God's protection. Her Christian faith, expressed so often in her annual Christmas messages and elsewhere, were moments of outstanding witness to her faith, the gospel, and the values of the common good, family life, peace, and concord among peoples. He recalled that in her first radio broadcast at the age of 21 in 1947, Queen Elizabeth promised to dedicate her entire life to the service of her people. He prayed that God might rest her great soul in peace. Earlier in the week, Sunday, September 4th, Pope Francis, during Mass in St. Peter's Square, amidst a thunderous rainstorm, followed by a rainbow and then sunshine, beatified Pope John Paul I, whose reign in 1978 lasted only 33 days. Before his election, John Paul I was Cardinal Albino Luciani of Venice. He was nicknamed the Smiling Pope, a name that Pope Francis highlighted in his homily. Recalling the example of Blessed John Paul I, Pope Francis recalled how the new blessed lived the joy of the gospel without compromises, loving to the very end. He did not seek his own glory, but lived always as a meek and humble pastor. With a smile, Pope John Paul managed to communicate the goodness of the Lord. How beautiful is a church with a happy, serene, and smiling face that never closes doors, never hardens hearts, never complains or harbors resentment, does not grow angry or impatient, does not look dour or suffer nostalgia for the past. Monday, September 5th, speaking to a delegation of representatives from Caritas, Spain, on the occasion of its 75th anniversary, Pope Francis praised the nation's Catholic charities, saying the very name Caritas recalls the essential trait of love we must bear, all created in the image of God's boundless love. Wednesday, September 7th, Pope Francis at the general audience in St. Peter's Square introduced the second catechesis on his new series on discernment by saying, In the process of making sound decisions about the meaning and direction of our lives, we now consider the witness of St. Ignatius of Loyola. As a young soldier, Ignatius was gravely wounded in battle. During his long convalescence, he was unable to read his favorite novels of chivalry and heroic exploits. The only books at hand were the lives of the saints. And this is how the Lord works, said Francis. He works through what we see as apparent randomness in the events of life. Ignatius did not have his preferred reading, but was instead driven to the unexpected joy of reading about saints, about lives that changed his life, the books that became a turning point. This insight was the origin of the method of prayer and discernment that Ignatius left us in his celebrated spiritual exercises. Also Wednesday, the Vatican announced that Cardinal Conrad Krajewski, prefect of the new dicastery for the service of charity, will visit Ukraine for the fourth time on behalf of the Holy Father. Thursday, September 8th. The Pope's representatives in nations around the globe, known as Apostolic Nuncios, met with the Holy Father as part of their triennial encounter in the Vatican. 
The group included 91 nuncios, six permanent observers, while five pontifical representatives were unable to attend due to health reasons or other impediments. Pope Francis spoke to them about various global issues affecting nations and the church in the world. Noting that the encounter comes in the wake of the pandemic that forced various constraints on our daily lives and pastoral activities, now it seems the worst may be behind us, and thank God we are able to meet. However, said Francis, the specter of war has descended on Europe and the world. Unfortunately, he said, Europe and the entire world are shaken by a particularly serious war due to the violation of international law, the risks of nuclear escalation, and the grave economic and social consequences. He thanked the nuncios for bringing his closeness to people who are suffering. You are points of reference in moments of extreme bewilderment and turbulence. Friday, September 9th, Pope Francis sent a message to the Director General of UNESCO, that's the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, on the occasion of World Literacy Day. In this message, he stressed the importance of creating an education system that unites, especially in times of war and pandemic. He expressed his hopes for an education and literacy whose main objective is to build the world on a human scale, the primordial and fundamental subject of education, who must be considered in his material, cultural, and spiritual aspirations, as well as in his relationship with others, with the community, with nature, and with his living environment. Also Friday, Pope Francis offered his encouragement to the Community at the Crossing, an ecumenical project for young people sponsored by the Episcopal Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City. This is a year-long program of study, prayer, service to the poor, and community life for American young people from any Christian denomination. Francis told participants they will be witnesses to God's love and tenderness, reminiscent of the first Christians. My hope, he said, is that this community will offer an opportunity to revive the desire for unity of Christians and of society in New York and even in the United States. Well, those are the week's news highlights, but don't move. Stay right here for my conversation with Patrick Kelly, Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, and David Naglieri, writer and director of the film produced by the Knights, Teresa of Calcutta, No Greater Love. EWTN, helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. I just appreciate everything that you're doing to strengthen marriages. My husband and I always, from the beginning, believed that God was the center of our marriage and that that was the foundation that we were building our life on. We were blessed in that way. A lot of couples don't understand that going in. But thank you for what you're doing for couples and marriages. I really appreciate it. you listening to EWTN radio right now? Have you ever wished you could listen on a local radio station? Maybe our Lord is speaking to your heart to help make that happen. Don't let a lack of experience hold you back. Find out how you can help start a Catholic radio station where you live. Powered by the truth of the church and EWTN's dynamic radio programming. Email Steve at this address, radio at EWTN.com. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. 
Well, I want to welcome my listeners to really kind of an extraordinary edition of Vatican Insider, of the interview segment, because today my two guests and I, we're going to talk about a saint, Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and love, her undying love for people, no greater love, as a matter of fact, is the title of the movie we are going to talk about. So first I want to introduce everybody to Patrick Kelly. He is the Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus in Rome for all these premieres. So Patrick, welcome. Yes, thank you very much, Joan. It's great to be with you today. And then my other guest is David Nalieri, and David is the director and writer of the script of No Greater Love. So David, welcome. Thank you, Joan. So glad to be with you. Appreciate it. Well, now, where we are, I I could do how many separate stories just on the nights? I'm going to do one eventually on your Rome office, when it was set up, how, why, etc. But we are at a sports center that was set up many years ago by the Knights of Columbus, an amazing complex of buildings and soccer fields and swimming pools and a theater where the missionaries of charity have just gathered to see a movie about their, their foundress. And, of course, it premiered Monday at the North American College. And I'm still in awe of this movie, and I think of you, I think of the Knights, because, of course, you have your founder, a blessed Mm-hmm. Father Michael McGivney, which you mentioned just minutes ago um, to the sisters. And um, I don't know if you had a chance, I know David did, to see my blog uh, that I posted yesterday on the movie. Um, I just want to give this little intro. I wrote on my blog, Teresa of Calcutta's love was a no-holds-bar love that embraced all of God's children, but absolutely, above all, the least of God's children, the heart-wrenchingly poor and destitute, the forgotten and rejected ones, the disabled, victims of leprosy, the starving, those who were left to die in the hovels they called home or on the streets of their village or towns, on the peripheries of large, well-to-do urban centers where where people truly did not care about the people they could not see. your, Your film captured that in such a powerful way. But before we get into any of the contents, Um, Patrick, tell us how the idea came about. Well, um, the idea came about because the Knights of Columbus have had a very long relationship with the Missionaries of Charity, uh, going back 30 years. Uh, Supreme Knight Virgil Deccan, one of my predecessors, was friends with Mother Teresa, and they developed a really uh, uh, beautiful friendship over the years. So, so we've had this relationship with the Missionaries of Charity. I was just telling the sisters that in 1988, Mother Teresa came to the Knights of Columbus, to our headquarters, and spoke to all of our employees. And it was really one of the greatest days uh, to have a living, living saint come to you and speak to you in your cafeteria. It's just a, it's a, it's a, great, it's, it's a great thing. But it was this relationship that was built up over the years. And I would say it was a relationship of trust that was, that was built up. And that becomes important for the, for the documentary film because um, not everyone can do a documentary on Mother Teresa. I think the, the missionaries, rightly so, are, are protective of her memory. And, sure. and, and it's, it's, a, it's a big thing. You have a founder. You want the story of the founder to be told in a, in a way that is accurate and honest and captures the essence of the founder. So I think it was that that relationship of trust where the missionaries felt 
like they could trust the Knights of Columbus to do this. You weren't going to have your own spin on, on her story. It was going to be her story. That's exactly right. Her, right. her story, not, not, not our story, not, not our lens on Mother Teresa. Well, as she said so often, uh, um, when people would want to take a picture which she didn't like or talk or interview her, you know, this is not about me. It's about all these people I love and serve and, and, and care for. Yeah. So, so that was the important aspect. Now, by the way, did I understand you gave a copy <clears throat> of the movie to the Pope? I did. I did. Uh, we had we had a we had a, a audience with the Holy Father yesterday, and uh, we gave him a copy of the film. Uh, and when I, when I did, his eyes lit up. He was aware of the film because several weeks ago I wrote him a letter, Good. Uh, telling him that we were coming to Rome and we were going to premiere the film here in Rome. And he wrote me a letter in reply, and which was beautiful. It was a beautiful letter. And he said his hope for the film was that it introduces Mother Teresa to a new generation. Yes, absolutely. Well, repeat the words you just said to the nuns about when you premiered this at NAC, the seminary, the North American Seminary, you realized what about the seminarians their age? Well, you know, we, we realized that uh, most of the seminarians there were under 10 years old when Mother Teresa died. So many of us remember Mother Teresa. We have a living memory. We remember when she died. But you know, these, the, the younger generations coming into the church and these seminarians, they don't, they don't remember her. So it's really, I think it's really important in that way that we capture Mother Teresa and we teach a new generation about this wonderful saint and how she surrendered everything right. to the Lord. Absolutely. Well, I consider myself so blessed to be the age that I am, having known and met people like Mother Teresa, but having known and spent a lot more time with like Pope John Paul. How exciting it was to see him in, in the documentary, and for many of us who knew his great love and affection for Mother Teresa, just to see those images was, was so special. So, David, tell me just a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your relationship with the Knights, and how you got involved in No Greater Love. Yeah, sure. So I've um, been working as a film producer, producing a lot of documentary films for many years now, and originally really started in this field. I worked for about five years as for Salt and Light Catholic TV in Toronto. And then in 2009, I was hired by the Knights of Columbus to expand our communications department into video production. And since then, we've produced many different documentaries um, on topics like John Paul II. Uh, we did three documentaries on his life to um, kind of solidify his legacy. We did films on Our Lady of Guadalupe, on Divine Mercy Devotion. And, uh, and about a year ago, uh, Supreme Knight Kelly and uh, the leadership of the Missionaries of Charity came to me with this idea. And uh, I was very excited about it. It seemed a little bit daunting because we were going to try to, we felt as though if we're going to make it, let's try to have it ready for the 25th anniversary. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but of course, I knew Mother Teresa was one of the icons of the 20th century um, and a great saint. And, and I also knew that her story had the potential to reach a huge audience with the gospel because she, she, was, she channeled... Uh, Jesus Christ in an incredible way and her life was so extraordinary so we set out about a year ago year ago to make this film and we made some we had to make some big decisions early on how we going to tell the story and the approach we took was to not just tell um, a biographical film she was born on this date then this happened but to also chronicle all the various apostolates so that took a lot of work a lot of traveling but it's been a really joy to work on it and to write the script, I'm guessing you certainly had to read a lot 
before that, read things she wrote, read things even written about her or by her successor. Yeah, and that's where we really got a lot of support from the missionaries of charity. So as you know, when you go through a, a cause for canonization, there's a tremendous amount of research that's gathered. There's a positio and, and, and major biographies that are written. So we had access to all her writings. We had access to various biographies, but then also all the information that was gathered for the cause for canonization. So we gathered that all together. Got a lot of support from missionaries of charity and, and research assistants that we worked with. And that helped us frame the questions for the interviews sure. and frame the approach that we were going to take for the film. Well, as a matter of fact, I'm on the guild in Honolulu for a cause for canonization of Joseph Dutton. He worked for 44 years with St. Damien and Mother Marianne and St. Marianne Cohen. But one of my jobs being here in Rome, I'm very close to the archives of the priest of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary. And so my time is spent reading documents, handwritten documents, teensy little writing. I mean, you can't imagine people could actually write this small. Um, in French and Flemish, and any single document that has his name. And I'm sure, you know, that was something similar would have been part of her entire cause as well. So anything that has his name, I set that aside. We then photocopy and scan that document, and that's all going to go to Hawaii for his cause. So I'm aware of what does go into a cause. But, Patrick, let's look at the, we've looked at the genesis of the film, but tell us about the, some of the different stages. So you kind of design things on paper. You know, we're going to start here, here's her life, etc., then you had to choose the locales for filming. You had a lot of film already from archives, but you had to do your own, which was stunning. And then you chose people to interview, a number of whom I know. And, of course, I had interviewed Father Brian, the postulator. Mm -hmm. So let's look at some of those stages. Yeah, well, so we, we had to decide uh, where we were going to film. And we were doing this in the middle of COVID. And so that that was an extra layer, I think, of complication. Sure. And then going to some of the areas, um, like in Brazil, in, into these really slum areas of Brazil where it's, it's very dangerous. And, and David perhaps can tell a little more about just the challenges of the filming of this. Oh, good, because that was actually one of my questions. Yeah. What were some of the challenges? Yeah, well, there were, there, there were many challenges. Obviously, we were going into really difficult, um, you know, Mother Teresa said we we're going to the darkest holes of the world to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, serve the poorest of the poor, and we wanted to be authentic and to do that as well. So the film really takes us uh, to, to the work, of, for example, Tijuana in Mexico, where they work with migrants. We filmed in Nairobi, Kenya, in these oh. really hard, hard, uh, very difficult circumstances and slums there where they work with the very severely disabled children. And then in Brazil that uh, Supreme Knight Kelly was referencing, um, there's the favelas, which are these slums that oh, even the yeah. police will not enter into. And they're completely dominated by these drug lords, basically. And we had to, we had to go through a difficult situation because we wanted to bring our film crews in. We wanted to ensure that they were safe. And typically what you would do um, would, would be to provide security. But security would not be allowed in by the drug lords that govern these favelas. But, interestingly enough, because of the great work of the missionaries of charity, they're respected. And they're loved and esteemed and protected, even by these drug lords. They allow them to do their work because they know they're doing God's work and they're, they're helping the poorest of the poor. And so they let them be at peace. 
And so we had to make the decision to, you know, bring our film crews in, um, not with any security, but under the protection, the mantle of the missionaries of charity. And so that was just one of the little decisions that goes into the traveling and the logistics and putting this all together. And we pulled it off uh, perfectly with the, with the work of the sisters and, and they, them there to obviously we've got some spiritual cover as well with working with sure. them. But that's a little glimpse into a lot of the, what goes on behind the scenes uh, making a film like this. But you really conveyed, I mean, when I would see the images of the favelas and, and any of the poor, poor, poor areas where she and the nuns went without hesitation at all. I mean, you should, you know, they didn't like peek around corners. Can I go around the corner? They just went. And, um, but you conveyed that poverty, how destitute and desperate people could be. And, and yet here's this little woman that came along who I said was a giant. You know, could anybody be more of a giant than this diminutive little woman? So, um, for you, Patrick, what are were some of the highlights of of the filming and the places you went to? Well, you know, I I think for me, what what the film has captured is is Mother Teresa's radical surrender. To the will of God. So I think if you if you if you take a step back and you look at the film, and there are many many beautiful and very poignant episodes and vignettes in the film, but if you really take a step back, what you see is Mother Teresa as a as a a, a prophet of the dignity of the human person. Like every everyone matters. There is no expendable person. The, 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 the person who's dying, who will die that day in Calcutta, the, the unwed mothers and, 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 and babies in, in San Francisco or Baltimore. So there's this dignity of the human person, I think, that is so important. But, but I also think on a, on a personal level, for everyone who watches this film, what you can see is that, that you are called by the Lord to surrender. Now, we can't all go to the slums of Calcutta, right? And on one hand, you could see the film, and you could say, oh gosh, I, I can't go to the slums of Calcutta. Well, the Lord's not calling you to do that. No. The Lord is calling you to surrender your life where he has put you right now. And I think that's really one of the, one of the, the really big messages of, of this film, that, that we're called to that in, in any state. That's all the time we have this week with Patrick Kelly, Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, and David Nalieri, writer and director of the film produced by the Knights, Teresa of Calcutta, No Greater Love. The movie premiered in Rome at the end of August and will be shown in 940 theaters in the U.S. for two days only, Monday, October 3rd and Tuesday, October 4th. Go to MotherTeresaMovie.com for tickets. Come back next week for part two of our conversation when we look at some of the challenges and highlights of filming this documentary. I also ask both Patrick Kelly and David Nalieri if they learned something they never knew about Mother Teresa during the filming. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.